Hey, Pastor Kevin Wallace here from Redemption to the Nations Church, and I believe today God has given me a word that is going to speak to your life. Listen, we need strength and we need comfort, and today we're going to find it in the Word of God. Hang on, and I'll see you at the end of this message for prayer. Receive the word. How many believe the word deserves our honor? Amen. We'll preach for just a few minutes this morning. And Jabez, his name means one who calls sorrow, but he overcame his title. He overcame his name. And he prayed a simple prayer that God answered, and God gave him honor among his brothers. God enlarged the place of his territory. I came to tell you, I serve a God that can enlarge your life. If you believe that, say amen. He'll enlarge your life and he's got good things in store for his people. I want us to go back to Ephesians chapter 1. I want to continue the series that I started last Sunday, Finding What You Already Have. How many know God wants you to discover some things that he's already given you and the worst thing that can happen? is that God could have given us something and we not know it belongs to us and never have possession of it. So today, we're going to continue this thought and I'll probably finish it next week, but we want to talk about finding what we already have. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read the exact same verses of Scripture I read last week. Verse 15 says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of, reve a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know, somebody say, that I may know, what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power, might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age that is to come. And he put all things under his feet gave him Christ to be head over all things to the church. Church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Look up there at verse number 18. This will be the focus of today's assignment. Paul said, I pray for you to know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And I want to talk about the inheritance of the saints today. How many know we have an inheritance? You don't, some of you know it, some of you don't know it, but before we leave today, we're gonna find out that God gave us an inheritance. You feel like a pauper and like someone in poverty, but I'm gonna tell you today, when you find out who your daddy is, that mentality is broken off and you come into an understanding of what it is to be an heir with God and a joint heir with Jesus. Somebody give God praise that there is an inheritance for the saints. The inheritance of the saints. Let's pray. Jesus, bless your people. Amen. You can be seated. <laughs> you won't rush me. 
Paul, I told you last week, <laughs> prayed for the eyes of the church to be open so that they could see in the spirit and know in the spirit what belongs to them. And knowing is an important word to Paul. Let me just rehearse for a couple of minutes what I talked about last week. Knowing something from God is significant to Paul. It's important. Because Paul and anyone in this house listening and watching online who understand the power of spiritual knowledge know that without knowledge, your life can be destroyed. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says so. God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. In fact, if you read Genesis chapter 3 clearly, you'll find out that Adam and Eve forfeited everything that they had in God because of a twisting of knowledge and the enemy convincing them that there was something that they didn't know that if they partook what was forbidden, they'd find it out. It's this whole issue of spiritual knowledge. And if you don't know the truth, if you don't know the truth, I don't care how well we are in our intentions. If we don't know the truth, we can believe a lie thinking it is the truth and live our entire life built on a lie. It's why Paul prayed all the time as an apostle for his people that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. God, say this with me, say this after me, God doesn't want me to be ignorant. Okay? God does not want you and I to be ignorant. He wants us to possess in our spirit a spirit of wisdom and revelation, but here you go, in the knowledge of him. Read the text carefully. It's not just good enough to get knowledge because knowledge alone can puff up. If we're going to get knowledge, we need knowledge in the, in the fullness and the understanding of God. I don't want a spirit of wisdom in the revelation in the knowledge of Kevin I don't want a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of religion. I want a spirit of wisdom and revelation to come into my life in the knowledge of him. And when the spirit of God begins to download and give you and I wisdom and revelation, it is the uncovering of truth that is necessary for the victory we need in our spiritual life. Revelation are things that are hidden to the flesh but revealed to our spirit by the spirit. Churchy, religious people do not walk in wisdom and revelation. They go to church, but they don't have wisdom and revelation because wisdom and revelation cannot be caught through religious mechanism. It is only being caught by people who walk in the Spirit. And if you want to walk in a spirit of wisdom and revelation, you have to do more than date him on Sunday. You have to know him. Do you remember we talked about this? You have to know him intimately and have this relationship with him where you never have to recover lost territory because you never stop talking to him. So it's this ongoing relationship of intimacy with God. And then last week we talked about the first thing Paul prayed is that he wanted us to know, number one, the hope of our calling. I'm not going through all that again, but suffice it to say the hope of his calling is both an individual and a corporate thing. He wants us to know the hope. Listen carefully. The hope of his calling. He called us and attached to our calling a hope that can only be brought to pass in him. When God called you, there wasn't, the word hope literally means a future expectation of positive and good. When God called you and I, he attached to that call 
a future that is filled with positive and good outcomes. Many are called, only a few are chosen. What does that mean? It means when he calls you, those who are the chosen are those who respond to the call and everything that he hoped for and expected to come to pass in their life happens because they responded to the call and said, here am I, God. I give my life to you. I want to let you know this today. Individually, if you said yes to God and if you have committed your ways to his lordship, And if you are his disciple and you are his son or daughter and you serve the Lord with all your heart, I want you to understand that when God called you, there was an expectation attached to your future that the devil cannot shake out of place. No matter what this world does, it will not affect the hope of the call. We have an intended outcome that the Father has desired for us to experience. And here you go. You ready for this? It is good. It is good. My future and your future in Jesus are not dark and bleak and hectic and chaotic and full of hopelessness. Come on in here, somebody. He said, this is the faith that overcomes the world. You are going to overcome the world and its fallen system, and you're going to overcome every work of the devil, not because of your moral or mental strength, but because of the grace and mercy and love of an almighty God who is your biggest, listen, He is your biggest hope. And he has good intentions for your future. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. I don't know what you've done, but I know what he did is greater than what you've done. So there's a hope attached to your calling, and that applies not just to you individually, but to us corporately. We are the people of God, and the people of God have been promised victory. We will win. That's the hope of our calling. We will win. This thing will not end up with the Antichrist on a seat and the church in a cave and Jesus sweating bullets and twiddling his thumbs, popping Prozac, what to, knowing, not knowing what to do. This thing is going to end because God has predestined from the beginning how it's going to end. And although the devil comes up with new strategies, they are old in the mind of God. God already knows what the enemy will do. And I want to announce to every enemy, we are going going to win. God's already said it, and we believe that is the hope of the calling for those in Christ. But that's not what I'm preaching on today. Number two, Paul prayed for this, and I'm going to teach today because I want us to get this in our spirit. Some of us are bankrupt spiritually, feeling like we're paupers and broke, and, and just absolutely empty when in reality we have access to riches that we can't even comprehend. And Paul begins to pray for his spiritual children that they would begin to see not only the hope of their calling, but the riches of the glory of the inher- his inheritance in the saints. Now let's break this down. Riches, first of all, take notes, write it down. Riches is the Greek word plutos. It's where we get our word plenty. Plenty. How many have ever gone to eat somewhere and you could tell they didn't make enough food for you when you got there? They're rationing it out. 
you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's chicken or something, and they give you one piece of chicken. And you look at them like, look at me. <laughs> but how many have ever gone to a place where they fix plenty? And when you go to a place where they fix plenty, they say, come on back, get some more. My mama cooks plenty. I have never been in my mama's house where she said, y'all, we're going to have to go to the store. We got to go get some more food. Nope, not in mama's house. Mama's house, you go in, my mama has cooked for people who you thought you said you were bringing with you. But you didn't ever say it, and you didn't bring nobody with you. And you walk in there, and you say, I've been up seven hours. Well, you stayed up too long. This is too much food. Right? Plenty. Everybody say plenty. The word riches is the word plutos. It means plenty. Keep building this. Watch this. The riches of the glory. Say glory. Glory, Greek word, doxa. It means the estimate or the worth of. The value of something. And then he moves on to this word that is absolutely beautiful, kleronomia in the Greek, inheritance, kleronomia. It means the property and the possessions received as an inheritance. Literally in this text, what Paul is saying is this, I am praying that the Spirit of God would bring you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know the plenteous value of the possessions and property that God has in store for you. Not a little bit. This is not a meager giving away. We are talking about a God who has an inheritance and it is the God of the universe who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the psalmist said, and the hills that the cattle are walking upon, who holds the earth in the palm of his hand, who flung the stars into their place, gave them all a name, put the earth on an axis, gave gave it a spin and it's still spinning, who put the heat and the light and the sun on the day that he created it and it's still giving us heat and it's still giving us light. He put all this world into place, owns it all. And Paul says, I pray that you know your inheritance from God that is in the same. I don't want to make anyone mad, but don't hate on the saints because they have blessings that the world does not know how to understand. Have you ever been blessed by God, had no explanation for it, but God and people hated you anyway? Why is that, Pastor? It's because God doesn't ask the world how to treat his children. You don't go to your neighbor's house and say, what do you think about me blessing my child? Do you know why you bless your children with all that you have? Because you love them. They have your name. They have your DNA. They have, they, you are their parents. You're their father. You're their mother. And anything God blesses you with, if you have, if you have any kind of heart at all, you share it with your children. 
God doesn't go ask the world how the world ought to treat his children. You ought to be thankful for that because you got haters whether you know it or not. And God doesn't care about people who hate on you because, in fact, the more they hate on you, the more he'll bless you. The riches of the glory, the plenteous overflow in value of the kleronomia, the inheritance, the property, the possessions, whatever. Listen, what are you saying, pastor, property and possessions? I'm saying property and possessions. Whatever God owns, whatever God has, whatever belongs to God is your inheritance. Is God broke? Is God hurting? Now, Pastor, you start talking like this and people say, oh, God, naming and claiming, word of faith. Listen, I understand that there has been a tremendous abuse to this thought over the years. There has been an abuse to this thought. People have often asked me, are you from the faith camp? Let me help you understand something. I am certainly not from the doubt camp. Okay. I recognize that there has been an abuse of this and people just name and claim and blab and and they and they they don't understand process they don't understand suffering they I've told you that we need an understanding of suffering we need an understanding of serving we need an understanding of these things but I want to tell you today my assignment is not to preach to you about suffering I did that a couple of Sundays ago today is to remind you that no matter how you suffer there is a weight of glory that far transcends any pain of suffering and if all you talk about and focus on, and this is what we do in the church if we're not careful, is focus on the suffering, then you produce a people who are in, they are absolutely molded and shaped by a mentality of suffering and don't know how to react when suffering lifts and blessing comes and we don't know how to steward the inheritance that God is giving, is giving, and will give us in greater dimension in the future. We... We need to know, Paul said, I'm praying for you that you would know the riches. I want you to know the plenty. I don't want you to perceive God as a barely graceful, barely merciful, barely getting by God. Boy, this is hard for religious people to take because we, again, I said this last week, we sang it all my life growing up. I'm coming up. On the rough side of the mountain. How many know that, right? And we shouted and fell out on the floor until I read the book of Matthew and it said, speak to the mountain. And the mountain that is in front of you has to get out of your way. See, we don't know how to take these things. And we'd rather prop ourselves up in religion singing songs that ain't in the Bible than grabbing revelation that God's been trying to get us to see. Because sometimes you climb it, but if you come into a place of understanding inheritance, you can open up your mouth in faith and speak to what doesn't want to move. Where's my help in this church this morning? Look at somebody say inheritance. Now, so, first is the explanation of inheritance. Inheritance is possession and property. This is not my definition. This is what simply the Greek means. 
possessions and property awaiting the heirs upon someone's death. Okay? So, if there is an inheritance to take, death has to first occur. And so some people have preached and taught you don't get the inheritance till you die. And I would agree that you don't get the fullness of the inheritance until we die. I don't know about you, but I'm still thankful I'm going to heaven. I got seven of y'all. The rest of you better find out what your future looks like. Because you're not staying here forever. Outwardly, you're decomposing day by day. But inwardly, you're finding this revelation of who you are. And that's why I get weaker physically, but I get stronger spiritually. Because I recognize one more day in my journey is just another step I get closer to home. But we got to understand this inheritance and the death necessary in many ways has already occurred. The inheritance is God's that he puts in the saints. The inheritance is God's. Paul called it his inheritance. But he put it in the saints. I hope to live to be 120 years old. I just, I just asked God for it. Bible says it. I'm going to believe God for 120 years. Say amen, somebody. If the Lord allows me to be 120 years old when I die and he hasn't returned in the rapture, Genesis, Zion, Judah, Jeremiah, and Isaiah will get to experience the inheritance that Devin and I leave them. I hope to be so blessed when I leave this planet that my children are able to live the rest of their life. Y'all can't receive this, but I'm praying it for you too. That my children can live the rest of their life on an inheritance. Now, if somebody had to die for the inheritance, if I have to first die till the inheritance is released, that must mean that I have to die on this side for me to experience spiritual inheritance. Well, yes and no. Yes, because you don't get to experience the fullness of God's inheritance for you until you get to heaven. You better hear me. Some people won't teach you this today. They'll teach you it's all about what happens down here that is not in your Bible. I don't care how nice your car is, how big your house is. I don't care how nice your ring and your watch and your bank account can get swole up. And you can walk around flexing your shoe game all you want to. But everything you have down here that impresses people is garbage in eternity. I said garbage. I said it right because the Bible said we'll walk around on streets made out of purest gold. Do you understand that heaven is absolutely exponentially beyond heaven I said is absolutely exponentially beyond any kind of blessing we could experience down here 
And if you don't want to go to heaven, it's only because somebody told you it was a lot like the world you're living in. My Bible tells me I'm going to a place called no more. No more cancer, no more COVID, no more vaccines, no more lying, no more... What is... I'm going to ask a question. What got wrong with heaven? We don't preach about it no more. We don't sing about it no more. We don't talk about it no more. And I'll tell you what it's producing in the church. A bunch of miserable, hopeless people because they think this is the only life and they watch Fox and they watch CNN and they bounce from negative report to, oh, I feel the Lord on me right here. And they bounce from negative report to negative report and it produces depression. There is a reason why my soul is full of hope today because no matter what is going on in this crazy sin sick world I'm a citizen of a place whose builder and maker is God Lord I feel like preaching slap somebody tell them I'm a citizen of heaven I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know when we see him we shall be like him for we shall see him just as he is I'm going to heaven And so the inheritance can't be experienced in fullness until we die and go to heaven. And 1 Peter tells us that we have an inheritance that is preserved. But there is a part of the inheritance we experience now. You better hope I'm telling you the truth. This inheritance is not just something we experience later. It's something we experience in at least a part of the dimension now. Now, let me give this to you, and I'm going to be done. Seth, you should come to the organ, because I feel like hollering now. So first is the explanation. First is the explanation of the inheritance, but then we need to understand the entry into the inheritance. Because you don't get to be an, uh, an heir simply by your pedigree or your last name or who your mama and them were, you got to be saved yourself. And entry into the inheritance comes through, watch, relationship with Christ. So let me go through this. We are, everybody say this, heirs of God. I'm in Romans chapter 8. We are heirs with God and we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What in the world does that mean? Think about it. We are heirs with God. In other words, God has the inheritance and we are an heir back to God and we are able to receive as an heir the inheritance that belongs to his children. But we are not simply heirs because of us. Paul said we are heirs with God and joint heirs. This is deeper than just an heir. In other words, the only reason you have entry into the inheritance is not because you deserve to be an heir, but because you got connected to the heir who made you a joint. Y'all missing what I'm saying. Jesus was the heir. Yes, Jesus was the heir. Come on, we got time for some Bible. Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2, verse number 7. Psalm chapter 2, verse number 7. If y'all give me about 15 more minutes, I'm going to pray the chickens stay warm and y'all going to be just fine. 
just fine. Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. God said to Jesus, you are my son and you are my heir. And the Bible goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2, listen to this. Oh, Chad, I'm going to take a minute here and let you get Hebrews 1 verse 2 because they need to see this in their Bible. Hebrews 1 verse 2 says that the son has been appointed heir of what? Come on here, I'm going to point it to you. Put that back up. Where did it go? Playing games. He has been appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the what? He has become heir of the father's inheritance. And when I trusted in Jesus, who was the heir, he said, let me show you something. Let me show you what my father promised me. And now since you are in me and I am the heir of all things, I'm going to share my inheritance that the father promised me. I'm going to share it with you. That's why we shout and praise Jesus when we come to church Woo! on Sunday because he invited us into the inheritance when I had no reason or right to claim it. I can only claim it because I am in him and he is in me. And if he is a son, so am I. He was appointed heir of the, listen to this, the whole universe. Every star. Every mountain, Mars, Pluto, Uranus, Mercury, Neptune, all of it belongs to God. It belongs to Jesus. This earth belongs to Jesus. Everything in the cosmos, he is the heir of it all. And because I'm in him, I'm a joint heir. Your entry into the inheritance is the man, Christ Jesus. Story is told, I hope I don't butcher this. Story is told of a wealthy old tycoon who developed an affinity for masterpieces in art and he hung them all over the walls of his home. And he was a widowed man. He had one son. He and the son became so close and they shared this affinity for art. And so they bought Picassos and they bought Raphael paintings and they bought the most amazing paintings that the world had to offer from the greatest artists that ever lived and they hung them down the halls of their home. And the story is told that this son of this wealthy tycoon, he was drafted into the army, went and served his country valiantly while he's serving his country valiantly one day while saving the lives of those who were in danger. He was struck in the heart by a bullet, was killed. They brought word back to the father that while his son was serving in the army, he had been killed in the line of battle. The father was crushed, was devastated. It was his only son, and he had lost the thing that he loved most. Several weeks after, the father was notified of the death of his son. A package was delivered to the home. The package was delivered by a young man who was saved by the tycoon's son in the war. 
just so happened that that young man from the army who delivered the package to the father, he painted a picture of his father's son and he handed it to him and he said, I want you to know your son saved my life the day he died and he saved the lives of many others. I'm an artist, I'm not famous, but your son's life will forever be remembered in my heart and I wanted to give you a painting of your son. He takes the painting of his son and he hangs it over the fireplace of his living room. Several months later, the widowed tycoon, now without a son, passed away. They called the auctioneer. The auctioneer came in and people from all over the world came to the man's estate for the opportunity to build, to bid rather, on all of the paintings that the man and the son had collected over their life. People come from far and wide with large sums of money to be able to place bids on these beautiful masterpieces that hung in this hallowed estate. The auctioneer began the auction that day, not with the picture that was painted by Picasso or Raphael, but with the picture of his own son that had been painted by his comrade in uniform. So the auctioneer starts the auction with the picture of his son and everyone was frustrated. We didn't come for that. We came for the masterpieces. We came for the famous artwork on his walls. The auctioneer began the bidding. Do I have a bid on the tycoon's son's painting? Suddenly the butler on the back row of the auction lifted up his hand and said, I knew this young man. He was a precious young man. I'll give you $10 for the picture of the son. Do I have 20, said the auctioneer, no one bid. Do I have 15, said the auctioneer, no one bid. He slammed the gavel down. The auction is over, said the auctioneer. People in the place went bananas. What do you mean the auction's over? We came from far and wide to bid on these masterpieces and now the auction is over? What's going on? And the auctioneer said these words. The father has written it. He who gets the son gets it all. I want to tell you today that because of Jesus, Lord, I feel him here. Because of Jesus, if you get Jesus, you get it all. You don't get a little bit, you get it all. Some of you put all your eggs in his basket and you're going to be glad in the end because in the end, he's going to give you an incorruptible, an incorruptible inheritance that you will receive and enjoy forever. Hallelujah. Jesus is the entry into the inheritance. And last thing and I'm done. Not only do we have an explanation of the inheritance and evidence of it uh, and an entry into it, but finally, we have the evidence we have the evidence that we have this inheritance. What is the evidence, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Paul called it in the 13th and 14th verse. Open your Bible to Ephesians 1 quickly. I'm wrapping up. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14. How do I know that I have this inheritance, Pastor? Verse 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you having believed, listen, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee, somebody holler guarantee, the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. What does all that mean? I'm glad you asked. Where's it at? 
How many ever been to the mall? How many ever been to the mall? Come on, don't, don't, don't lie. It ain't a sin to go to the mall. How many of you ever been go to, the, go to the mall? You go to the main entrance where the food court is. For me, there is no other main entrance. There is only one main entrance. It's where the food is. Okay? The main entrance, where the food is. And you walk in, and if you go down the right side, there's that sweet little woman. Sample? You want to sample? Now, there are times when I have just had a marvelous meal, and I don't want no sample. But most of the time, I go in that door because I know she got on a white hat, little white apron, and a plate with a bunch of chicken baptized. Oh! <laughs> baptized in teriyaki sauce. Slap somebody and tell them, sample! You go into the, you go into the mall and you, this woman is hollering, sample? You want a sample? And here's what, what it is. She's got a little morsel that is meant to paint the picture of what a whole plate will taste like. She didn't give you a whole plate. She just gave you a sample. But the sample is so good, it'll make a man on his way to get a suit stop in the, in the middle of the cafeteria and buy a plate full of chicken. Lord have mercy. Somebody tell that woman to cook some chicken right now. The sample is meant to create an appetite for the whole meal. And this is what Paul is saying. Paul said, you have an inheritance, and it is absolutely out of this world. But he said, if you want to know that you got it, you just need to understand that the encounters and the experiences you have in the Holy Spirit on this side are like a down payment and a sample of what is coming. Oh, I feel it. Oh, yes. On the other side. So the Spirit of God is the evidence that there's something greater in your future. Let me close it with this. Hebrews chapter 6. Come on here. Go with me. Hebrews chapter 6. I've taught you this before, but I'm going to teach you last, this one last time. Verse number uh, four, for it is impossible for those who are enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God. Watch this, verse five, and the powers of the age to come. How many have ever had an encounter with God? This is why we are encounter church. You can't just have concepts and principles in your brain. You've got to have an encounter and taste God because every time you taste him on earth, it is a tantalizing. Mm, it, it, it is a sample, as it were, of the greater that is coming in heaven. We have revivals. We have conferences. We have nuclear services on Sunday because we want you to taste a sample of the goodness of God. That's why we don't quit when the doctor says we got cancer. That's why we don't quit when COVID ruins people's lives because we have tasted the goodness of the power of the age that is to come. And it makes me come back in this crazy world and say, come hell or high water. I made up my mind. I'm going to keep on serving God. I've tasted him on this side.
What I tasted in a sample on Sunday morning, one day he's going to open up heaven and he's going to say, come on in. I got more to eat than you know what to do with. You tasted a little bit on Sunday, but I'm going to open up my father's inheritance and give it to you without limit. Somebody praise him for the inheritance. So we don't quit. We don't stop. We taste it and see that the Lord is good. And we have pain and we have problems and we have setbacks over here. But we have an inheritance that cannot be accessed by the devil. It cannot be corrupted by rust. Stand with me. It can't be infected with disease. We have an inheritance preserved. You have it then, listen, and you have it now. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I want to tell you that your salvation and mine, listen very carefully, you cannot understand Paul's writings unless you understand it through the lens of already and not yet. It's yours already, but it's not yours in fullness yet. It will be. Am I making sense? You have a portion of it now, but you get the full thing later. This is why the perseverance of the saints is essential. Don't give up. Look at somebody tell them, don't give up. The Father, do you understand that we have all participated in times and seasons in our life where he led us in on, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Yeah, he led us in on the inheritance before we got to heaven. And I said a moment ago that inheritance isn't released until someone dies. And ultimately, listen, ultimately the inheritance we have in God, from God in Christ is because Christ died and gave us the inheritance. Watch, do you recognize that the more you and I die to self, the more we step into that inheritance. Well, that's heavy. If death is required to enter inheritance, then the more you die to self, the more you're able to step into the inheritance. I caught that this morning in prayer. I said, Lord, we're gonna ultimately, if Jesus don't return, we're gonna ultimately die one day in this body. But while we're living in this flesh, the more we die to the flesh and live in the spirit, the more we access the spiritual inheritance that has been granted to us through Christ. You say, Pastor, I don't know about this. That's why Jesus said, take up your cross. When? How, how often? Daily. Why did he say take up your cross daily? Because he didn't want you to live one day without entering into the inheritance of God. And the more you die to self and the days you die to self are the days the Spirit says, man, I feel this. Welcome into the inheritance God has for you. If you're not experiencing inheritance, you need to check your flesh. Because if you're large and in charge and your flesh is over here being fed and your spirit man is struggling, waving a white flag, looking like a green bean, you need to feed your spirit and starve your flesh to death. So that the flesh dies, the spirit man comes alive 
and you are controlled and led by the Spirit of God inside of you. And in so doing, you have access into this great inheritance. Lift your hands in this place today. Lord, I pray for them like Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. Give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Remind us that he who gets the Son gets it all. And we thank you today, God, for the down payment of what's coming in fullness, the Holy Spirit given to us as the guarantee. What we have tasted in limited fashion and what we have encountered in limited dimension, as glorious as it has been at times, it cannot compare with all that you're going to do with us in our future. Listen, I want to pray for you today. I believe this message is bringing uh, a strengthening to your faith. In fact, some of you have needs today in your life, and I want to pray for God to meet those needs. If you need healing, I want you to know that Christ Jesus is a healer. If you need provision, I want you to know that your God is a provider. Whatever you have need of today, nothing is too big and nothing is too small for God to meet it. Father, we thank you today for every man and woman that are watching this broadcast. I pray today for those who have needs in their life. They need you to heal them, Lord. They need provision. They need strength. Many of them need to be freed from depression and heaviness. And I just ask in Christ's name today that the power of your precious Holy Spirit would come up on them wherever they are. Break every yoke. Meet every need. Jesus, you're a miracle worker. And by faith, we thank you that the power of God is working in their life right now, turning everything around. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, we love you. We can't wait to see you next week on this broadcast. Until then, we're praying for you. You're in our hearts, and we'll see you soon. God bless.